Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe, and I'm the editor of the New Books Network. And this is an episode in the Princeton University Press Ideas podcast that's brought to you by Princeton University Press and the New Books Network. And today I'm very happy to say that we have Rob Tempe on the show. And Rob will talk to us about Ancient Wisdom for Modern Readers, which is a wonderful series that is just out from PUP. I encourage you to go look it up on their website and buy all 19, by my count, (laughs) um, contributions to it. Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Marshall. My pleasure. Could you begin the interview by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. My name so my name is Rob Tempio. I am uh, I work at Princeton University Press, where I've worked the past fifteen years. Um, I work. Uh, I'm essentially an acquisitions editor uh, at the press. My title is publisher, um, but that doesn't mean much. I basically do the job of an acquisition editor, which is I um, acquire books for the press in the fields of philosophy political theory, and what we call the ancient world, which uh, encompasses classics, archaeology, ancient history, across the whole of uh, the ancient world, um, from the Greco-Roman world to uh, China and other places. You cover a lot of ground. I do. I (laughs) I couldn't be happier with the arrangement of fields I have. My background's in philosophy. Uh, um, I, I, I studied philosophy as an undergraduate in some graduate school, but um, uh, I cover areas beyond that, and I couldn't be happier with the agglomeration of fields. That's I great. Cover. That's great. Um, I told you that I was going to answer the, uh, ask this question um, because the listeners really want to know, do you have any advice for people who are pitching books? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a tough question to answer. Um, I mean, w- one simple thing is, you know, uh, just be as clear as you possibly can and don't assume that you, the um, people you're pitching are going to immediately grasp the whole of what you're talking about or even sort of, you know, don't assume too much on their part. You know, but people in publishing are, are smart. They're generalists, but they don't know everything. And uh, and so don't just launch in media res and sort of start talking about your project, assuming they're going to know. Even your even sometimes editors in your field, they know a lot, but they may not know enough about your specific topic. So just, you know, it's okay to start with the basics. And, um, and also, you know, just, you know, um, don't be afraid to sell it. You know, why is this important? Why is this interesting? Um, say that up front. Um, um, and, um, and have a proposal ready, a book proposal, even a short one is, is incredibly important part. Um, um, so sometimes people just say, I have a manuscript. Are you interested in looking at it? And, <laughs> uh, it happens quite a bit. So having a book proposal is, 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 is essential first step, I think. Yeah. I, I've uh, published with, uh, a few university presses, and I actually have a Princeton book. I published a book yep. at Princeton, and, and my only advice to people would be that they should bear in mind that there are lots of presses. Yeah, many, many, many. And yeah. if you've written a good book, it will find a home. Sure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so be brave and prepare. Yeah. Yep. And so let's let's move to the ancient wisdom series. Uh, how did you come up with the idea for the ancient wisdom series, uh, and what were you hoping to accomplish with it? Well, I can't say. I mean, I'll. I can't say I came up with the idea. Um, um, it, the genesis of it has been quite organic. Um, 
it started with um, the first book in the series was one called How to Win an Election, um, which um, was pitched to me by uh, Philip Freeman, who's a classicist now at Pepperdine University. Um, and that book consisted of a letter that was written by uh, the famous Roman statesman, Marcus Tullius Cicero's brother, Quintus Cicero. And it was written for, uh, um, for Marcus Cicero to advise him on how to win his election to consul in 64 BC in Rome. Um, and it's this amazing letter that survived from the ancient world. There are some questions about its, um, you know, its authenticity. I mean, we know it's an ancient letter, but whether it was actually written by Quintus. Um, but it's this amazing letter um, uh, advising him how to win his election. So we, we published that as how to win an election. Um, it's very short. Um, we decided to include the Latin on the facing pages um, in part because it was so short, but also we thought that would be a nice way to give students who sure. uh, are studying uh, classics or Latin a, a, a short, easy text in which to compare it with. And um, it just took off and it did really well. We published it actually in 2012 during the 2012 presidential election and um, it just took off. and. I met with Philip Freeman and said, do you have an idea for another one? And he said, how about how to run a country, which was selections from Cicero. Um, uh, the, the Roman statesman himself about advice on how to, um, how to run a country. And it just started to feel natural that this would be a good way to frame these ancient texts and to open them up to a broader audience uh, and as a kind of entree into uh, some some obscure, some difficult to read texts, some just um, surprisingly modern feeling texts, and it just got it just got going. Um, um, I was I had an idea for one called How to Win an Argument, and pitched that to somebody who did a great job with it. Someone came to me with an idea for one for How to Die, um, uh, which is selections from Seneca, and then as I approached scholars, it just became have you thought about this idea? And I started to have ideas for them as, I mean, I continued to have ideas for them as well. And that's that's pretty much how it got going. So it was it, organic. Is the series uh, done or can people <laughs> write no. pitches? <laughs> they can certainly pitch. And I, I do get pitches quite often. It's 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 not done. Uh, I've got, uh, you mentioned there are, there are 17 in print with two more coming in the yeah, fall. So 19. 19. Yeah, I counted 19. Yeah, that'll make yeah. 19. Um, and we've been doing two a season. We published in two seasons, a fall and a spring season, and we've been doing two a season for the past few years now. And I've got several in the pipeline and I'm certainly open to pitches, um, for them. And, um, and it's just become a great way to enter these. I mean, I use the phrase a lot, forgive it, but I often say they're, they're kind of gateway drugs. They're, yeah. uh, they're, they bring people in and, and, they're, they're not meant to be the kind of last stop. They're meant to be a first stop before you go on and maybe read the whole text itself if it's only selections from it or read more about this particular author or this particular topic. So, Well, that's what the New Books Network is. We're the, we're the right. first stop, right? You yes, hear the exactly. author talk about the book and then maybe you want to read the book, right? Before you invest <laughs> exactly. your money and time. And actually what you've said uh, makes my next question uh, redundant. Uh, I ask a kind of humorous question about how you made the choice. And essentially yeah. the choice was kind of made for you. And, but I do want to ask why no Plato so far? Because Plato <laughs> fans want to know. Um, it's, it's a very good question. And I, you know, I, I love Plato and, um, and we've, 
I've talked with various people about it, and I'm talking to two authors right now, uh, or I should say translators, because the authors are technically the agents yeah. themselves. So it, the author is Plato. I'm talking to two scholars who, about translating some of Plato um, for the series. So stay tuned. There might be Plato coming. Uh, okay. For the series. okay, Plato fans, just wait. Don't write, don't <laughs> I will write say, Rob angry letters. <laughs> what, what, one other thing about the series was that when I was presenting the books to my colleagues each time, after about the first six or seven, I would refer to the series as an informal. And this is where my colleagues, I have to pay uh, tribute to my colleagues too, in two respects. One is uh, that they said to me, you keep saying this is an informal series. Why don't we make it a formal series? And so that's when we came up with the moniker. Uh, the ancient wisdom for the mo for modern readers. That's it was staring us right in the face because That's we good. were finding such um, such interest in these texts. And also, um, the designer for the first volume in the series. This is why book packaging and design is so important. The designer for the first volume in the series, Carl Spurzum, um, did such a great job with it. It just lent itself to doing more. Uh, so uh -huh. yeah, I mean, it's great. It has a kind of standard look and feel. And yeah. the, the the titles are a, a little bit humorous, which, yeah, which exactly. they're more direct than you would see. There is no, <laughs> there are no colon. There's no colons in the titles, which is unusual yeah. for yeah. academic books, <laughs> which I very much appreciated. Um, it, the the uh, and for the first one in the series, he did um, it, again. It was Quintus Cicero, not Marcus Cicero. So he couldn't find a picture of Quintus Cicero. So he put a picture of Marcus Cicero on the cover and put figure one. Quintus's brother Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> don't have yeah, we don't have any don't have any images. Um, all right, well, let's. There are there are nineteen titles, as I say, seventeen in print. We're not going to get to them all by any means, but I thought we could talk just about some of them sure. as, in terms of gateway drugs. And the, the first one that came to my uh, sort of captured my attention was Suetonius on how to be a bad emperor, and that made me laugh. <laughs> how to be a bad emperor. It's very topical. So who was Suetonius, if you could tell us briefly, and, and sure. what does he what does he have to tell, say, Joe Biden? <laughs> well, um, so Suetonius was a Roman historian who lived in the late first century, early second century AD. He's known to us from his great work, The Lives of the Caesars, which is a series of biographies of the first 12 emperors of the Roman Empire. Uh, he covers from Julius Caesar to Domitian. Um, he wanted his readers to see what emperors were really like. So he wrote just not about major historical events or their policies, though he did cover those, but their private lives as well. So, you know, think of him a bit like the Michael Wolf or Bob Woodward right. of ancient Rome. Um, <laughs> um, and as you can imagine, you know, this one was published last year. It takes a, it takes a scholar, you know, roughly a year or so to, to do these. So um, it was commissioned prior to that. So we didn't exactly have Joe Biden in mind yeah, as a sure. former president. Uh, and um, and um, it's not so much what he would tell them, but maybe what he tells us about them. Um, uh, and that the, the, their private lives, in effect, tell us a lot about their political lives, right? Um, um, the... Um, the Tiberius, Rome's second emperor, for instance, was known to retreat to his villa on the Isle of Capri, where he could ignore public affairs and just sort of give free reign to all of his vices that he had, that he had sort of rather badly concealed for so long. So, um, and he always thought that um, that this this um, their personal lives and their um, um, sh should give us some indication of how they behaved as an emperor. Um, so. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, well, so he had his own Mar Mar-a-Lago kind of yes. into on Capri. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So, and of course, you know, we published this in the midst of uh, uh, a pandemic, uh, uh, a COVID crisis, where, um, you know, certainly here in America, but not only in America, um, responses were slow and perhaps not as inept. One of the emperors covered in this book uh, is Nero, who famously fiddled, although he didn't really yeah. fiddle because fiddles weren't invented yet. Yeah, you know, um, whatever, details. <laughs> uh, he, uh, who fiddled while Rome burned. So, you know, it had this sense that, you know, um, 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 you know, maybe reaction time should be more quick than they are yeah, <laughs> uh, right. often. So, um, right. um, so to move on, the next one that captured my attention was how to be content. And I was actually thinking about the ex-president now, Donald Trump, who sure. is arguably, to refer to the first book, A Bad Emperor, depending <laughs> on what you think. We're non-political yeah. here on the NBN, but there are right. some people who feel. Yes. Um, and so he's out of power now, and he's probably discontent. What would uh, Horace say to President um, well, Trump. Horace would say, you know, quit your complaining. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> That's not really possible for Donald uh, Trump. Uh, it's true, um, <laughs> but there's an actual there's a there's a um, there's a Greek word for this, and it's a it's a um, I mean, Horace was a uh, a Latin poet, um, uh, but he criticizes um, uh, he uses uh, the or rather he um, he writes about the um, the vice that the Greeks called um, memsimoria, uh, which is criticism of one's own lot in life mm -hmm. uh, and, the, and the, the, the simultaneously the envy of the lot of others. So um, I would think, I, I think- That's apt. Advice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, um, so I certainly think it would be, you know, to, to really quit complaining and, and um, I mean, I, this particular book I love a lot. It's the first one we've, we did that was specifically by a kind of uh, a famed Roman poet, although we have other poetry ones in the series. Um, uh, and content is, the content part is very important because there's so much written about happiness. And I think of contentment as being different than happiness. Uh, happiness is, to use a kind of social psycho, psych, psychological terms, maximizing and contentment yeah. is more satisficing. Uh, uh, yeah. And, um, and Horace was about enjoying moderate pleasures in life and the simple pleasures of life. He too would go, he too sort of lived on a, a, a kind of country estate. Um, and to him, that was the maximum, the, the maximum, not the maximum, the, um, um, the best kind of life to lead um, in, uh, in terms of um, being in the countryside, living the simple life, having moderate pleasures. Uh, so I, I, I but, Part of that with being content with one's lot in life and not wishing for for more than one has. Um, yeah, that does not strike me as fitting Donald Trump's personality type. <laughs> I don't no, want to go deep all. into personality <laughs> types, but he uh, is a striver of a certain yes. sort. Yes, he's looking for right. something, always looking for something else. So he could probably read Horace profitably. Right. I mean, and in, in, in to just to just to talk, you know, the you know. What we what we recently experienced, you know, as bad as it as bad as it was being in lockdown and pandemic, and as bad as it was in so many levels, there's a certain sense in which you know, um, it, you know, you, there were lots of people who talked to me about relishing certain aspects of it, right? 
not having too many commitments, not being over scheduled, not being, you know, um, and there's a certain element of just being content with a few things have. Horace writes about being surrounded by books and being in perfect contentment as such. And for, for, for a year, we, some of us got to do that. <laughs> right. You know, and I'm reminded of the phrase, be careful what you ask for, you might get it. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So to continue the Donald Trump theme, I'm going to go on to, I don't know how to pronounce this fellow's names. Obsopoeus. It's actually, uh, as the, as the. Um, how do you do it? As, as Mike Fontaine, the translator of this, puts in the introduction, it's Jobs Sopeus. Jobs Sopeus. And it's very interesting, Vincent. Vincent Jobs who passed. This is a unique one for the series because um, it um, Jobs who passed is actually from the 16th century. So yeah. he is he is uh, a German poet. Uh, uh, he was a, a a teacher, essentially taught a high school teacher who was a humanist. The name Jobs who passed is something he gave to himself um, in part because he was so enthralled to the classics as the humanists were um, and. Uh, being an aspiring kind of neo-Latin poet, his aim was to sort of brand himself, as we would say now, as as such. And um, his father was a chef for local princes, and so the name Jobsupeus essentially is the Greek word for cook. Um, and so that's how he got his name. And uh, um, uh, so he wrote, he wrote he wrote the book in your series, How to Drink. And the reason yes. I ask about this one is I was thinking maybe Donald Trump has taken solace in drink. <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't know. Uh, uh, but what you know, uh, Jobs of Paris, what, what would he have to say about drinking and Donald Trump, and whether that's a good move? Well, actually, it's interesting because Donald Trump, you know, doesn't drink. He doesn't drink. I didn't know. He doesn't that. drink. That I don't right? know that he's ever. I don't know that he's never. But he does. He's not. He doesn't drink at all. Yeah. Neither does Biden, actually. Um, uh, and um, but uh, yeah, Donald Trump does not drink, and so. Um, well, what does Jobs of Paris say for those of us who do? I don't either, I, by the way. Just interesting. <laughs> I, I think I think what he would say would you know would not please someone like Trump because it because if he did drink, you could imagine like everything else in his life, it would not be in moderation, and <laughs> yeah. and, and and that is what uh, Jobs of Paris has to say. I mean, his he he's writing this at a time um, when it's the early Reformation, the Crusades are long over. There are all these sort of knights and warriors. Drinking is on the rise in the Germany of the period, uh, and he is trying to get um, essentially the bros of his period, the bro culture of his period, to calm down uh, and to settle down and to drink more moderately. And that is what the poem is uh, essentially designed to do. Um, it's called The Art of Drinking. Um, part of the reason we included it in the series is because it's very much written in the style of the Roman poet Ovid, who famously wrote a book called The Art of Love. Uh, and this is, it's, it's meant to be a kind of imitation of that, but about drinking. Yeah. Okay. So Donald Trump doesn't drink, so he's not taking solace in drink after his <laughs> fall. So let's move on. There's yeah. another title. How to think about God? Maybe Donald Trump is finding comfort in religion. I, d yeah. I don't know. I really don't know anything about Donald Trump's religiosity. <laughs> a lot of people take comfort in religion. That's great. What does Cicero have to say about, or Cicero, as my friend pronounces it? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They it's right. Say about God and our relationship with God, or rather, gods, because he had a bunch, didn't he? 
Well, they did have lots of they did have lots of gods, and we jokingly almost called the book um, "How to Think About Gods." Uh, right. And um, um, but they ultimately they did think um, the Stoics, for instance, of which uh, um, Cicero was sort of inclined towards. He didn't really declare himself a Stoic, but he was more inclined towards Stoicism. Did believe in something uh, that was more singular. Um, uh, it's not unfair to say it's not. It's something more like the Force, as we know mm-hmm. from Star yeah. Wars, something that sort of pervades us, the kind of logical principle that governs the universe, the kind of... Uh, um, I don't know what kind of solace someone like Donald Trump might find in this notion yeah. uh, of, of, how to, of, of God, but it's, it's certainly something that is much more... Um, um, it's not so much a personal God, um, but much more a kind of order of the universe type of God. Uh, he might not like it in particular and because it, it sort of recognizes that most things as, that happen were fated to happen. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> um, uh, which was meant to be solace for some, uh, quietist even, um, but, um, mm-hmm. um, but, but, um, but for those who think they're destined for greater things and, and find out Maybe not so much. It's um, their lot in life may not be so pleasing to know that it was fated. Yeah, the, the Stoics always remind me. I don't know anything about them to be honest with you, but they always <laughs> remind me a little bit of Buddhists in the sense that, you know, to use the expression "shit happens," it doesn't happen to you. It just yes. happens. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, I, do, I think that is. I think that's. Uh, I think that's fair. I think. They, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's take you out of the equation. You're part. Of, you're part of it. So you're happening too. <laughs> um, so anyway, because so Donald Trump's probably not reading Cicero. Yeah. But he might be thinking about running for election again. He talks <laughs> about this. And you have another book of the ser- series by uh, Cicero, How to Win an Election. We, we've mentioned this before. Um, Donald Trump knew how to do it, and that was steal it. Yeah. It didn't work. Uh, but uh, he may run again. So yeah. what advice does Cicero have for Someone don't like do it don't yeah. do it you know for many I reasons t- i could have told anybody that yeah. but but mainly mainly for uh mainly because you know um enjoy the blessings of old age you know um uh um now you know of course cicero was he he wrote this at a time when he was essentially forced out of politics julius caesar um essentially took over rome uh uh cicero was humiliated he retired to you know, the, the parallels there are just sort of too funny not to notice that, you know, this, this constant retreating to one's estate uh, yeah. and um, off Cicero is essentially retreating to his, his estate. He's taking up the study of Greek philosophy again. I mean, he's a real statesman scholar, so he's relishing the fact that he gets to spend time with Plato and Aristotle again and write about them. He writes a lot of philosophy during this period. Um, um, and on the one hand, he wanted to stay engaged in Roman politics, but on the other hand, he said, "This is a blessing, and I get to, I, I, I get to spend um, I, my final years doing this." He didn't know how soon they were going to be his final years because he, um, uh, after after Caesar was assassinated, you know, Rome was in tumult, and he was eventually uh, assassinated himself, Cicero, by uh, mm. by, by Mark Antony. Um, mm-hmm. So. Um, but so Donald you, Trump is he's he's he is of a certain number of years and, and Cicero, <laughs> you have another book in the series called How to Grow Old, which I assume that Cicero says retreat to mean, Mara Mara Lago and um, <laughs> and read mean, Plato. 
Uh, do you mean how to die? How to um, die? Uh, how to die? I was coming to how to die. That, oh, okay. That's next, yeah. Okay. So we can talk a little bit about how to die again. Trump is going to die. I mean, we're all going to die, yeah. right? Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Uh, and maybe maybe Trump is thinking about the end. I, he doesn't strike me as the kind of person who thinks about the end. No. He might try to no. cheat death somehow. He <laughs> right. Try to cheat the U.S. electoral right. system. So, right. guy's ambitious. But what what is Seneca? This is Seneca in this case. What does Seneca say about how to die? Um, well, Seneca says lots about how to die. Um, uh, by the way, uh, Cicero is perhaps the most prolific author for the series. He was a prolific uh, Roman writer. Seneca, uh, uh, who was an advisor to um, one of the bad emperors, Nero, uh, also wrote a lot and is one of probably the second um, uh, most prolific contributor to our series. Uh, we have several books that draw on his work. Um, but in How to Die, I mean, Seneca was essentially a Stoic, and um, um, and his advice on how to die um, was, you know, essentially, why worry about it? You know, um, think of it like before we were born, right? Um, uh, yeah, that's uh, a good point. We we it, we existed. Um, we we didn't exist. We we essentially didn't exist for thousands of years before uh, before we were born, and death would be much like this. It's just not dissimilar to what the Epicureans say, but he also views it as the death is at the end of uh, of all our woes. Right, the dead are, are afflicted by no ills. He says, uh, yeah. um, uh, no shadows loom over the dead. Uh, the death is the undoing of all of our sorrows. So take solace in it. Right, you know, uh, you know. Um, there's, yeah, well, that's more. That's kind of more Buddhism in a way, without the reincarnation, because the Buddhists think that all life is suffering. Yep. So I can I can certainly get behind that, and a lot of life is suffering. <laughs> and it is, and 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 that it's that there's there's escape from suffering. That's um, what that's what the Buddha taught. Uh, there's um, I have another book in the series in the works called. Um, well, we're we're still working out the title. I have to confess, but it's Seneca wrote a uh, a, a famous. Um, uh, short book called On the Shortness of Life. And in there, there's a sense in which death gives life meaning, the fact that we know we're going to die and that our time is limited should make us think hard about how we use the limited time we have and how we spend it. And and I can tell you, it it, it makes you think about the time you spend on social media <laughs> or Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah. want to spend precious minutes on no. on Twitter when no. I know that. I don't. Know. I don't really either. I have trouble yeah. expressing myself in fifty six characters. To be honest <laughs> with you, I can't. I just can't have a coherent thought in whatever the number of characters is. I don't know. Yeah. But this does raise a, it's an interesting um, kind of digression, and I don't know the answer to this question. I read the Iliad recently. I don't know why, but I did. And right. the Greek, the Greeks, or at least as Homer describes them, were very interested in two things: personal honor. And how they were going to be remembered. Yeah. Boy, were they interested in how they were going to be remembered. Right. right. Is this true of the Roman authors as well, that they were just extraordinarily concerned with what we would now call their legacy? Because I know Donald Trump is concerned with that. Yeah. I mean, certainly it's reflected in in, in many aspects of their society, including, you know, their um, uh, their public buildings. And, you know, so much of the evidence we have from the ancient world, you know, both Greek and Roman, but especially Roman, is inscriptions. Yeah. And the inscriptions reflect quite a lot about their concern about how they were going to be remembered. Uh, and uh, um, so, yes, that was, I mean, that was a way to achieve immortality. Mm -hmm. uh, um, 
Think of Aristotle, right? He said, right, count no man happy until they're dead. There's a part in Aristotle's ethics where he even talks, speculates about whether or not you could become unhappy after you're dead if someone in your family does something <laughs> to disgrace you. Not only do you have to worry about being unhappy in life, but you have to worry about being unhappy after you're dead. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, so. that's, that, that's a bit much. I like the eternal <laughs> peace version right, where exactly. just all of your suffering ends and you're just, you know, stardust or something, <laughs> right. I think we would say. Well, we haven't had a chance to talk about all the titles. You know, as we said, there are 17 in print and 19 total. Are, yeah. are there any particular titles that we haven't talked about that you would want to flag for the listeners that you like, uh, that you would recommend? Yes, there's um, um, uh, there's a, this one that just came out called How to Tell a Joke, an Ancient Guide to the Art of Humor. Mm. Uh, and this is also drawing on Cicero, who was a, obviously you know, a great orator and great uh, uh, rhetorician um, known for his speeches. Uh, I like to characterize this um, as the author, uh, as the translator of it does, Mike Fontaine, who often did How to Drink, uh, does. He says, this is essentially a book about how to win the room. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and just to come back to our theme of Trump, this is something that Trump was often very good at. Oh, yeah. Was his, you know, um, his, his name calling and his ability to cut to the quick with a joke um, or dismiss a comment with a joke. Um, it's not exactly what Cicero had in mind, but, but Cicero in this book is talking about how to hu use humor um, as part of persuasion and how to um, get people over to your side and how to um, uh, uh, yeah, use hu humor to essentially win the room. Uh, I've often thought about Trump that he would have been a great stand-up comic, and he kind of missed yeah. his calling because he has two characteristics. One, he's a very witty guy; he's very quick. Yeah, There's no, you can't doubt this, whether you like him or not. And the other is, is that he does not care at all what people say about him. No, exactly. He yeah. does not care. And if you're, yeah. you know, if you talk to any comic, like they go up on stage, and sometimes they they use this word "die." I died yeah. up there. <laughs> Donald Trump would not care. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> No, so no. He's uh, perfectly suited to be a great stand-up comic. I wish he yes. would have been a stand-up comic. Instead, right, exactly. Yeah, um, right. The the other one, just to mention, is uh, uh, just quick, quickly, is uh, the one forthcoming in the fall, which is How to Be a Farmer. And um, that one, interestingly, is not a, any single author. Uh, it's, it's, as the, the, um, the translator of it says, it's a, like farming, it's a work of many hands. Uh -huh. uh, and that is a series of short excerpts from across the Greek and Roman corpus about uh, the rural life. Uh, and, um, and the translator of that is a very interesting guy named Mark Usher at University of Vermont, who uh, runs a farm, in addition to being a classics professor at University wow. of Vermont, runs his own farm Wow! Uh, uh, with his wife. It's called, uh, and it's appropriately called Works and Days Farm, which is the title of Hesiod's great poem about farming. And, yeah. um, uh, and that is a really wonderful volume of selections about the farming life. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and that one's coming out in the fall. Well, I'm from Kansas and my, I, my people, as we sometimes say, were farmers and they just ran away from that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I my house doesn't even have a lawn. Like I, I paved my lawn. I don't want to have anything to do with growing anything ever again. I, <laughs> well, we've all, you know, so many people became weekend farmers right after, especially during the pandemic, right? When people could get back to cultivating yeah. their gardens. And so. Um, well, that's good. I hope they buy the book. So I have yeah. a question. There's a standard traditional final question on the New Books Network. And it is, yeah. what are you working on now? Let me adjust that. What are you working on now? 
other than this series? Ah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there anything uh, else in the work that you're excited about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a big book coming out in the, in the fall called Plagues Upon the Earth, um, uh, Disease in the Course of Human History, which um, it is um, by a historian of Rome named Kyle Harper at University of Oklahoma. And it's a big history of the role of disease and the rise cool. and fall of civilizations. Uh, you'll definitely want him on New Books Network. We will. Podcast. We will uh, want him on, yeah. Uh, and um, um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a great book. It was commissioned years before the pandemic, so it's, the, the timing mm -hmm. couldn't be better in terms of him finishing and getting it out. And the other book I just put a plug in for, too, that's coming out next spring that I'm working on now is a short book called In Praise of Good Bookstores. Uh, mm. And that's by Jeff Deutsch, who is the director of the Seminary Co-op Bookstore in Chicago. Oh, I've been there many times. Yeah, and it's a great little series, a kind of, to use an ancient term, pay on to the value of good bookstores as cultural goods and community goods. Yeah. Well, just to put a plug in, uh, <laughs> we used to be uh, a member of the Amazon affiliate group, right? which meant that when you bought uh, when you click through the New Books Network uh, and you bought a vacuum cleaner, we got two <laughs> percent of whatever that vacuum cleaner cost. But about a year ago, we stopped that, and now we are a member of the Bookshop.org affiliate group. Fantastic. And I can tell the listeners that uh, what Bookshop.org does, in addition to paying us a small commission on all purchases bo uh, of books, they give money to bookstores. That's part of their mission. They're, they're some sort of, they're not exactly a corporation. There's something, I don't know, it's, it's called the Public Benefit Corporation yep, or something. Yep, yep. I don't know what this is exactly, but their mission is not only to sell books for authors and presses, but also to support local bookstores. And as somebody that likes local bookstores, I would encourage people to go look at, at bookshop.org and, and see what they have to offer. And it is, uh, you know, it's a direct competitor to Amazon. There's no other way you can talk about it. Um, yeah. Amazon does not give money to local bookstores. No. I think I can say with some confidence. I don't think they do that. <laughs> they do I a lot of other good things. Yeah. That's great. I like Amazon, but, but they do yeah. not give money to bookstores. No. So anyway, let me tell everybody that we've been talking to Rob Tempio today about the series Ancient Wisdom for Modern Readers. The series is ongoing. So if you have ideas for books, flood <laughs> Rob's email inbox with... <laughs> proposals <laughs> and maybe it will run for a century who knows we'll work our way to the entire classical uh you know oeuvre it'll be incredible there'll be hundreds of books in it i don't know so anyway rob let me say thank you very much for being on the show my pleasure thank you marshall